Good afternoon, patriots. You are listening to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk Democrats looking to push old Joe out, Lord Fauci wanting to ban the uninjected from air travel, Biden single-handedly killing what's left of the fear narrative when it comes to COVID, and we'll finish up with some promising news on long-term immunity to coronavirus. Next, on Living with Liberty. Is Joe Biden a lame duck president? As much as he tries to project that he's not, Biden hasn't done anything to exactly inspire confidence that he's going to make it through his first term, let alone a second. It's becoming more and more apparent by the day that Biden is the LARPer-in-chief. And that's live-action role-playing for those not familiar with the term. And that Democrats are going to move on from him in 2024. I mean, just take his overall cognitive condition. Everybody can tell it's it's declining by the day. You look at uh, the interview just uh, a week or two ago where he, he was asked if he was going to run again in 2024, and he basically gave himself an out saying, if my health allows it. Not exactly confidence-inspiring that uh, he'll be making a run in 2024. Then kind of back to this LARPing business for a bit. Biden seems to be just living out his fantasy of being president, something that he's he, he tried to to attain on several occasions over the course of 30 years or so. Uh, and prior attempts were shot down because of uh, just a, embarrassing, uh, embarrassing uh, things like uh, getting caught plagiarizing. Apparently, we don't have any shame here in 2020 and 2021 and when it comes to those things. And so Biden won the presidency this time around. But how effective has he really been? How many of the decisions are, are, are being made by Joe Biden? Uh, valid questions, I think. Now, I have an article here from The Federalist written by Bob Anderson titled, Democrats Prepare to Dump Joe Biden Now That He's Served His Purpose. That purpose being uh, being the face of a, a return to normal, in quotes, and defeating Donald Trump. That, that was Joe Biden's purpose, if we're being honest. Anderson opens his piece with a very telling line, I think, on what uh, the general consensus is of Joe Biden. Anderson opens his, his piece like this. He says, when the New York Times begins publishing op-eds saying Joe Biden should not run again and that he should announce it soon, then the jig is officially up. Biden is a lame duck. Perhaps someone should tell him. Even the New York Slimes is ready to push Joe Biden out the door. Notice, though, in that statement, and if you go through and <clears throat> notice some of the uh, stories that are out there about uh, Joe Biden and who should run in 2024 in his place. Notice that it's not the fact that Joe Biden is in obvious cognitive decline. Notice that it's not the fact that he'll speak gibberish during press conferences. 
nor does it seem to be the questions around who is actually making the decisions in the White House that have the various media sycophants calling for Biden to not run again. No, none of these calls started. As Anderson points out in his piece, none of these calls for Joe Biden to to step away in 2024 started until Joe Biden's poll numbers sank into record low territory till they sank into, I think they're hovering around the, the low 40 percents right now. It, it varies. I've seen them dip from uh, high 30% to low 40s, mid 40s on a good day, depending on uh, if the pollsters got who they wanted on the phone or not. It's That is when, though, when the, the poll numbers tanking is when this sudden concern about a second Biden term came about. It's not all the corruption. It's not any of the corruption. It's not the past plagiarizing and the continued plagiarizing. It's not the lies about the 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 Amtrak story that he likes to tell over and over. Um, it's not corn pop. It's not his obvious decline um, mentally. It's not uh, the effect of that mental decline during his press conferences. It's not the fact that he outright says that his handlers aren't letting him take questions today. It's his poll numbers. That tells you everything you need to know about the state of our, our political system. And you know what? I would I would venture a guess that if, if Joe Biden were a Republican, we'd, we could very well be talking about the same thing. This is about power with these people. It's not a it's not it's about nothing else but power and poll numbers and what their their um, consultants and and. and um, pollsters think and those that run their focus groups that, that's what this is about it's it, this, joe biden's presidency proves anything it just proves that that we've gotten so far away from demanding integrity and honesty from our candidates and we're just willing to vote based on our feelings because we don't like somebody it doesn't matter what the policies are or aren't what they've done or haven't done what they've proven they are Biden's presidency just proves that we've gotten so far away from demanding integrity and honesty and, and truthfully respect for the people from our elected officials. Now, I said before I thought that Biden would get the 25th Amendment treatment and eventually at, at some point once he's served his purpose. You know, the, the way things are shaping out up right now, it's looking less and less likely that the 25th Amendment is going to come into play during the Biden presidency unless things get to the point where Biden's handlers can't even prop him up weekend at Bernie's style anymore and try to, to fool the public once more. Because Kamala Harris's poll numbers are even worse than old Joe's. Now, this is what you get when you paint yourself into a corner with your nomination, with your running mate, and the checking boxes was more important than actual competence and, and thinking forward and ahead saying, hey, I'm hey, I'm 78 years old. I'm not in the greatest of health, not in the greatest of mental health. I've had past health problems. Maybe I should pick somebody based on, on the, you know, their competence and their accomplishments. No, we checked a bunch of boxes, though, when, when Kamala Harris was picked. They honestly, I, I hate to say it, but honestly, I would have taken anybody else, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Amy Klobuchar, if, if you wanted a woman 
fine. I would have taken those two over Kamala Harris. At least those two seem competent and and they have a few more accomplishments that they potentially can point to. Uh, Kamala Harris has been given opportunity after opportunity to try and prove herself, to try and prove her competence, to try and prove that she'll actually do something for this country and has repeatedly failed. She's done nothing. And, and when questioned about it, the only thing she's done is cackled nervously and deflect. And not to mention that her interviews lately, she, she's been a gigantic gaff machine herself. Let's look at what she's not done, let's call it. No, first, the border. She's been put in charge of the border. That's the most recent, I guess. The border still has illegal immigrants pouring over it in record numbers. We have all kinds. We have terrorists that they've picked up. We have uh, drug runners. We, you name it, it's coming over the border. She was put in charge to, to turn to turn the flow off there, and she hasn't done a thing. She went to El Paso, which isn't even, that's not even where the problem lies. Now, what about before her border czarship here? Well, she was tasked with marketing the Biden infrastructure plan, and she failed miserably at that. So much so that Biden turned the reins over to Mayor Pete. Even worse, she's blamed everyone and everything else but herself for her failures. It's not my fault, Kamala says. It's sexism and racism. It's her staff's fault. It's Biden's fault for not defending her. It's Biden's fault for whatever. Maybe, just maybe it is your fault, Kamala, for not being prepared, as some of her former staffers have indicated. Maybe it is your fault, Kamala, because you didn't hire staffers, you didn't recognize your own weaknesses, and you didn't hire staffers that complement those weaknesses. So yeah, it is your fault, Kamala Harris. You're the one that hired the staffers. You're the one not doing the prep work. You're the one not taking any action. You get out what you put into something. And she has not been willing to put in the work the work needed to be vice president. Honestly, she didn't put the work in to be a senator. And if you go way back, she barely put the work in to be the, the district attorney in San Francisco. Or, or Attorney General, whatever she was in California, it, it escapes me right now, but I think you get the point. Now, it would be the, the cherry on top of the Democrats' current disaster at the federal level to have to force Biden out under the 25th Amendment and have Harris step into the presidency. That would, her like I said, her poll numbers are even worse than Joe's. She's shown no uh, pension. Uh, pension for getting anything done, for being able to manage a media interview, for being able to manage people. Her staffers have been leaving left and right. This, If they had a 25th Amendment, Joe, they, that would be the cherry on top of this disaster the, cur- the Democrats currently have going at the federal level. So where does that leave the Democrats? Well, it leaves them with three years of trying to nurse Joe, throw, uh, Joe through the presidency. It leaves them three years of propping him up like he's, he's, you know, weekend at Bernie's here and trying to get him through this. Now, this just to, just to prove it, it's not just uh, conservative-leading outlets that are printing these sorts of uh, stories. 
we had, uh, and you may have heard about this, uh, CNN's potential uh, list of potential replacements. Uh, Chris Saliza uh, um, put this out there. He proposed uh, a list of 11 people that could be the nominee in 2024. Now, you look at this list, I'll tell you right now, it's like trying to pick between having your face kicked in by Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. In the end, it's going to hurt anyway. It doesn't matter. You're, they're going to kick you in the face. So I'll read these off quick. Uh, I'll read some of Saliza's commentary, some of my own commentary on this as well. Some of these candidates, I won't do it for all 11, but uh, some of the some of the bigger ones uh, anyway, the bigger names. Um, we'll, we'll see what uh, Chris Saliza has here for us. So first on his list was Kamala Harris. I, oh, Chris is not thinking here. I, apparently he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, subscribe to any of the polls out there. Uh, maybe he's thinking he, he subtracts uh, Kamala Harris's uh, poll, current poll number from 100 to get her actual poll number. I don't know. Now here's what he said about her. She's undoubtedly struggled as vice president. Okay, that's good. He acknowledged that. But she's still the most likely Democrat, not named Biden, to wind up as the Democratic nominee in 2024. Really? Really? Uh, really, Chris Saliza? Kamala Harris couldn't even crack the top four in her home state's primary for 2020. What makes you think that four years later, not doing a damn thing but nervously laughing through her vice presidency because she doesn't know anything. What makes you think that she's going to wind up at the top of the Democratic ticket in 2024? I guess if the voters want to check some boxes, maybe. But we have to get back to looking at accomplishments and what people have actually done to deserve our vote, not just because they check some boxes. And, and I think it's telling she couldn't even crack the top four candidates in her home state primary in 2020. There's nothing there that says she's the most likely to wind up as a Democratic nominee. All right, next, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg. Saliza says this is the most talented candidate in the 2024 field. I say, sure, if you count being able to use large quantities of words to say absolutely nothing, he is certainly the most talented at that. Honestly, the guy is is a younger Mitt Romney, a Democrat version of Mitt Romney. Say, talk a lot, do nothing, means nothing. Uh, okay, Chris Saliza, if you think he's the most talented, yeah, he can talk. That's about it. All right, a few others here. We'll run through these quick. Elizabeth Warren, fine, whatever. She'll be, what, 75 or something. We'll see. We'll see if she even wants it. She might jump in now that, you know, who knows if Bernie will get in. She'll kind of fill the Bernie role in the, the Democrat nominee circus, I guess. Amy Klobuchar, okay. Uh, Roy Cooper is the North Carolina governor. Uh, Mitch Leandrew, who was the former uh, mayor of New Orleans. We all know what kind of condition New Orleans is in. Gina Raimondo. So she went from governor of Rhode Island to the Biden administration, commerce secretary, barely understands, uh, you look at some of the statements she's made, barely understands economics at all. Um, so yay, uh, I don't know where Chris Eliza picked this list from, but anyway, 
Uh, Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Here's where Gretchen Whitmer ends up. She'd walk in Kamala's shoes, but not even being to, able to crack the top three in her own state. Uh, that's a <laughs> chuckle at that one. I hope you're laughing at that one. Uh, Phil Murphy barely won uh, the uh, by barely like three percentage points um, in heavily Democratic New Jersey. Barely won his second term. I don't see it. Um, just not seeing that one at all, Chris. Uh, here's here's one of my favorites too. Uh, be just because he's the governor of the state bordering us here, J.B. Pritzker. And this is what Saliza has to say about Pritzker. He says he's got two things going for him. He's the governor of a major Midwestern state, Illinois, and he's very, very rich. Well, Chris, he's also a giant hypocrite. And while he locked down his own state, he spent ample amounts of time at his horse farm here in Wisconsin. And... I'm not even sure how the first two items at Saliza Notes are even qualifications. He's a governor of major Midwestern state. Eh, okay, maybe that one, but he's very, very rich. What does that have to do with actually governing effectively? Oh, you know, this is this list is laughable. And everybody's this one might be everybody's favorite, Stacey Abrams. Here's what Saliza said about Stacey Abrams. He said Abrams talked openly about running in 2020 before passing on the race. Well, yeah, I mean, what has she done? She would have been even lower than Kamala, maybe. But she needs to win the governor's mansion in 2022 before thinking too much about 2024, Saliza writes. Well, how about this? How about just winning any office before thinking about a presidential run? I mean, to just prove you can win a a, a, a a race for office before you even talk about running for president. I, this this list is is just absolutely laughable. I mean, it, you look at what what the bench strength of the Democrats is, and you you say to yourself, "Really, I seriously? I, this is what they might be trotting out there in 2024." Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you see this list, and I, I think back to my last show when I said the Republicans would find a way to screw it up. Any one of these out there, the Republicans would find a way to screw up running against them. That's just how it is. So anyway, you know, like I said, you, you look at this list, you're absolutely choosing whether you want, it, it's like choosing, do I want Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris to kick me in the face? Any of these individuals, in my opinion, and looking at their accomplishments, they would be just as bad of a replacement for Joe Biden. I, you know, I couldn't think of a less impressive list of potential candidates that you could throw out there for a potential run. Now, given, again, this is a, a Crystal Liza piece from CNN, so I guess you take that for what it's worth, too. But if that's, if, if that's what the Democrats are thinking of trotting out for uh, Joe Biden replacements, the Republicans better find a way to not screw it up if they hope to to regain a presidency. I just awesome. I just all right. Anyway, enough about that. So the patron saint of the branch Covidians, Tony Fauci, is at it again. This time he wants mandatory ther therapeutic injections for you to fly within the country. Never mind if you have natural antibodies. Never mind that planes have some of the best filtration around and and. Um, some of the uh, airline CEOs have come out against this sort of thing. 
Yeah, some of them are even against masks on the planes. No, Tony Fauci needs you to keep lining the friends of his, uh, his friends at Big Pharma by rolling up your sleeve and taking your therapeutic injection because he said so because he said science. He just throws the word science out there. He says it's because of science you need to do this. I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of Trump's major mistakes was not firing this guy. St. Fauci still thinks that those who have chosen bodily autonomy over an experimental therapeutic injection are just acting like difficult teenagers that need the right incentivizing. Now, here's what he had to say on MSNBC. Said when you, Fauci said this, he says, when you make, a vac, uh, make vaccination a requirement, that's another incentive to get more people vaccinated, Fauci told MSNBC. And then he went on to say this. If you want to do that with domestic flights, I think that's something that should seriously be considered. Now, this statement shows how out of touch with reality Lord Fauci really is. Now, newsflash here, Tony. Those that were concerned about not being able to fly and travel have already gone out and taken the jab. Those not concerned with flying or uh, just more concerned with bodily autonomy aren't going to be incentivized to go and get jab because you took away the ability to fly within the country. Th those people aren't going to care. I don't care. I'll drive if I want to go somewhere. Yeah, it takes longer. But you know what? It's at my own pace and might actually be a little more comfortable the way they pack you in like sardines in these airplanes. The other thing here is, Airlines, I think, push back on this. They're not going to go for it because they already operate on thin margins. If you take away a set of customers, where does that leave them as an industry? Where does that leave the airlines as a viable business? If you're saying, well, now that I'm, uh, those that uh, aren't taking the therapeutic injection, um, you can't fly anymore. Do you really think that uh, the airlines are going to just give up I don't know what it is, 30, 40, 50%, uh, depending on the numbers you look at, of uh, potential customer base here. Because Lord Fauci said uh, we should mandate uh, jabs to fly. The airlines aren't going to go for this. Uh, any business that, that's going to, uh, that that's cutting off their nose to spite their face. Uh, any business that, you know, is is going to, Go ahead and say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, you know, we'll do that and, and kill off 30, 40% of our business, our potential uh, customer base. That business ain't, isn't going to be around for that long. Now, if you can't see here, I, I know all my listeners, <laughs> all my listeners see this. I, I know you do. But if you can't see that these so-called experts only see you as an uneducated deplorable who needs their shepherding for your own good. If they only see you as that, if they, they see you as someone that, that just, uh, you, 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 you know, kind of have that feudal, um, feudalism mentality here where, you know, we're the Lords and we're going to tell you what to do because you don't know what to do. You don't, and we're going to tell you what to do because it's for your own good. If, if they, they see you as that, they don't see you as a rational being that can think and act for yourself. If, if you don't see that difference, if you don't see that in how these people talk to you, down to you, 
these these ridiculous mandates that aren't based on anything that have been debunked over and over if you don't see that 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 they want to return to the feudal system of lords and serfs i can't help you at this point if you like being told what to do what to say what to think that much i hear north korea and china are really nice and then with this kind of on the same topic there's another whole other elephant in the room here and that's sleepy joe saying there's no federal solution to covid so you have fauci pontificating about uh, uh mandating jabs to fly on airplanes and then old joe says we have no federal solution to covid he's he, joe biden's waving the white flag on this here i say this i say thanks for catching up to the rest of us joe now, if you would just apply that same thinking to every other policy proposal you are trying to push through, we would be golden then. There is no federal solution to anything that they're putting out there, only federal takeover. Now, if you think about it, this, this one statement by Joe Biden, that there's no federal solution to COVID going on, he said it has to be at a state level. We'll touch on that in a bit. That one statement just put any and all federal mandates further in the grave, in my opinion. Biden, who, by executive order, mind you, mandated all companies, that OSHA, uh, mandated OSHA to put a rule out that all companies over 100 employees have a vaccine mandate in place. That federal workers and contractors get the therapeutic injection so, uh, so they can... Uh, do work for the federal government or work, continue to work for the federal government. Joe Biden just said that there is no federal solution to COVID. So this statement should trigger an immediate tossing out of all federal mandates, uh, challenges to federal mandates that are sitting before the courts currently. As these mandates are a proposed federal solution to COVID. Joe Biden said there's no federal solution to COVID. Therefore, these mandates need to be thrown out immediately. Also, and this is getting to the state part because Joe Biden did say, to be fair, no federal solution. It's gotta be uh, the states need to, to handle it. Well, the states have been handling it in their own way. Some states better than others. Some states absolutely trampling rights and um, overrunning the Constitution and the constitutional rights of people and the God-given rights of people. And some states have, have taken the right approach and trended towards liberty and letting people decide for themselves because we the people are smart enough to do so. Now, getting to the states. I think this Biden statement should also have a trickle-down effect to any challenges that are sitting at the state and local level. As it's reasonable to assume at this point then, since there is no federal solution to COVID and they have all of these mandates, a mask mandate, a, a, an injection mandate, whatever, those are the federal solutions. It's fair to assume then, because the states are using the same and the, and the local, uh, municipalities are using the same types of uh, of mandates and, and call it COVID solutions, it would be fair to as assume, and reasonable to assume, I would say, 
that they're not a solution at the state and local level either, and that any challenges before state and local courts should be thrown out based on that statement. There, To me, as I look at it, there should be a trickle-down effect to those challenges at the state and local level. Now, the statement itself from Joe Biden also renders anything that Lord Fauci says as a moot point. Since Fauci is a federal employee and there's no federal solution to COVID, anything Fauci proposes would be a federal solution to COVID and therefore is null and void because Biden said there's no federal solution to COVID. Biden, Joe Biden may have single-handedly destroyed whatever was left of the COVID fear narrative with that simple statement. Our job is not to let anybody forget it. We got to keep pressing on. There's no federal solution to COVID. There's there's no state and, and local solution to COVID. It's an airborne virus. It's going to do virus things. The best we can do is make the best choice for ourselves. If that's getting a therapeutic injection, fine. If that's social isolating yourself, fine. It certainly is. Stay home when you're sick. Wash your hands. Do the common sense things. It's certainly that. I would go further that it's not even a, a state and local choice because it's or, um, a state and local solution. It's it's an individual solution and in, in honestly being a responsible citizen. Well, we can't trust people to be responsible citizens. Well, it, it's it, it's either authoritarianism or we maintain our constitutional republic with our God-given rights that are enshrined and protected by the Constitution. Those are the choices. Yeah, there's always going to be someone that's irresponsible. There's always going to be someone that feels like, well, I can't rely on anybody. I can't. I don't have anybody to call. I, I just have to run to the store. That, that happens during flu season, cold season, whatever. It's happened since the beginning of time. We just, we, we, we the people have the solution to this. And that's just being smart about how we take care of ourselves, how we uh, take, uh, how we um, uh, respect others when we're sick and we stay home and we find that's, you know, find somebody that can help us out while we're, while we're sick. Government's getting involved. We've seen that they've just done nothing but make a mess of the whole thing, killed our economy, killed people's mental health. They, they continue to do it and it's, and it's causing more and more problems for the economy. I, it's There's a reason our forefathers set up the country the way they did, because they knew we are, we the people are smart. We'll figure it out. We know what to do. God designed us for uh, liberty to, for liberty and freedom. And, and, and he designed us as unique individuals. And he designed us to be smart about things. That's what we need to rely on going forward is that we, the people, will take care of things. Government just screws it up. Okay, finishing on a high note, if you have had COVID, there's promising research that is emerging that you have long-term immunity and could be immune for life. Now, a Washington University uh, School of Medicine study that's out of St. Louis is showing promise that once you've been infected and recover from COVID-19, you very likely will have immunity for life. Now, this excerpt is from the study 
uh, might be a little bit uh, uh, a little bit jargony, but uh, stay with me here on this one. So this uh, this from the study. Levels of anti-SARS-CoV-2 spike proteins, or spike protein antibodies, declined rapidly in the first four months after infection, then slowed over the next seven months. The most exciting part of the research is that at both seven months and 11 months after infection, most of the participants had bone marrow plasma cells, or BMPCs, that secreted antibodies specific for the spike protein encoded by SARS-CoV-2. The BMPCs were found in similar uh, amounts similar to those found in people who have been vaccinated against tetanus or diphtheria, which are considered to provide long-lasting immunity. So what's this say? As I read it, and I'll post the story in the the, uh, description box, so you can read the story, the full story for yourself. There's much more than that little blurb I uh, read there. It it means at a minimum that those who have been infected and recovered from COVID have long-lasting immunity against reinfection on par with tetanus or uh, diphtheria vaccinations, and quite possibly you will have lifelong immunity. This is saying that what you know we've been hearing all along, confirmed by various studies here or there, but another one specifically here in the United States, I think a lot of the studies we see are, are from uh, overseas because, well, because the CDC and, and Lord Fauci don't want us to have access to these studies, nor do, does our uh, uh, sycophant media, um, because this is the kind of thing that takes our power away, but I digress. We'll have... Uh, we have uh, immunity comparable to a vaccination. And uh, the one part I want to notice uh, to note here is where it was talking about antibodies that declined rapidly in the first four months after infection. That's a normal thing. That happens with any infection. You get down to a level of antibodies and it plateaus. And there's, I believe, uh, back in the story, like I said, I'll post it so you can read it. Uh, in the story, it's like 10 to 20 percent. Uh, you get to a 10 to 20% antibody level within your body, and that's where it hovers. It, it stays there um, for some amount of time, at least 11 months, um, up to a year, it looks like, after uh, infection, according to the study from Washington uh, University here. So now you think about this is the way the virus dies out. This, And this is what I think many have been saying all along. Viruses, this thing will die out if you get people that keep building up natural immunity to it, herd immunity. Now, if we're looking at things objectively and what we've uh, now know about the therapeutic injection, uh, it's likely that the therapeutic injection has prevented the buildup of this natural immunity in the population because we've gone with such a broad brush of we must get everybody vaccinated. Well, honestly, you just we just need to get the most vulnerable injected the the rest of the population is fine we have therapeutics we have other studies that have have gone in that we've uh that we see out there of of just doing common sense things like um taking care of your health uh we have things like hydroxychloroquine ivermectin uh vitamin regimen that 
helps uh, fight off the virus. We know that 75% uh, of, of uh, people that have died with COVID uh, we're over the age of 65. Those are the, the, you know what? That's where you would need to focus the therapeutic injection on is folks over 65 and those under that have underlying conditions or com comorbidities. That's where the focus needed to be on this thing in, in terms of who should get the jab. We know that the, such this broad brushstroke of jabbing everyone likely has prevented this buildup of natural immunity. And we're seeing it in the numbers. We're seeing that people that have been jabbed are getting infected. They're, they're getting uh, the virus. We're seeing people have been jabbed only getting reinfected. No, I'm not saying that there's people that, that have natural immunity. They've been getting reinfected too, but the numbers are starting to skew towards those that have been jabbed. We know that whatever protection the jab provided wanes over time. And uh, based on my last show, the data we went over in that show from Denmark, it appears to be virtually useless against Omicron. We also know that the injection is targeted toward one specific part of this protein, making it potentially less effective against the subsequent variants because it's focused in on one specific, it's that your antibodies from the injection are looking for one specific part of the spike protein, not the entire uh, entirety of the the virus and in the um, in the makeup of it. That's why it's it's you know the effectiveness is waning and it's it's less effective against subsequent variants because it's that that vaccine that or injection excuse me was made uh, and created during the the first variant. So it, that's what it's targeting. That's what those antibodies that your body will create if you take the 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 injection that that's what it's going to look for it's not looking for the mutations necessarily now contrast that with natural immunity those with natural immunity have a more complete antibody that by all accounts looks like it may end up as more effective protection against future variants since your body's immune system will code itself against the entirety of the virus it'll look at the entire spike protein not just one specific part of it. Now, this means that those who have natural antibodies will potentially have a more active and quicker immune response to the virus entering their bodies again than those with the antibodies generated by the therapeutic injection. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't twist anything. This isn't to say that we should be scheduling COVID parties like back in the day when they did chicken pox parties. This is still... Uh, has even with Omicron, it still has the potential to be a serious infection. There's, it's like the flu. You, there's different flus that can that are serious and they affect people in different ways. And so, don't go scheduling any COVID parties. That's not what I'm saying here. Just, just to get the antibodies. What I'm, what, what this does show though, is that this study that Washington University is doing has reported out on here does provide the promise that once a person has been infected and recovered from COVID-19, they will have a long-lasting natural protection against the coronavirus. They may have a, a um, uh, protection in perpetuity. And with this information, we may finally end up on that path to the elusive herd immunity after all. You know, we heard that 
in the early days, right? We need herd immunity. If if we everybody if we get enough of the population with uh, natural antibodies, we may get to that elusive herd immunity after all here. Now, these results from Washington University are very promising. Um, uh, it's a very interesting article. I would encourage you to read it. But honestly, like everything that, that we've seen with, with the uh, coronavirus here, only time will tell if we are able to reach that state of herd immunity. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with the knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. You can also email me. The address is ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.